This is Steve Thompson, and today we're going to read Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 21. While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers. Unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent the delegates to Jerusalem, and they stopped along the way in Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers. They told them, much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles, too, were being converted. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and elders. They reported everything God had done through them. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted, The Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as follows, Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. When they had finished, James stood and said, Brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for himself. And this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted. As it is written, Afterward I will return and restore the fallen house of David. I will rebuild its ruins and restore it, so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord including the Gentiles, all those I have called to be mine. The Lord has spoken, he who made these things known so long ago. And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, from eating the meat of strangled animals, and from consuming blood. For these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues in every city on every Sabbath for many generations. That passage and, and that historical event is big. This could and would cause a complete identity crisis for all Jewish people everywhere across time. If you don't keep your eye on the center, on the unchanging, faithful God who is in fact your source and your identity, 
you will lose yourself because you defined yourself by your history, by everything you've done, by all your beliefs and traditions. But because of Jesus, none of that defines you other than your relationship to him. Not your family name, not your gender, not your sexual preference, not your race, not your accomplishments, not the way you're used to worshiping, not even your interpretation of scripture or the style of preaching scripture. Maybe something in that list hit home for you. Prayerfully, ask if you're finding that your standing with God revolves around one or more of those things. Because if it is, it's not on the center. This sense of identity proved to be too much, too insurmountable for many of the Jewish people to get over in order to find their salvation in Jesus. They couldn't keep their eye on the center, on the God who would go to any length to rescue all people. And so it was just too far-fetched. It was too big of a barrier. So many of the followers of Jesus in that first 50 years after he rose again would lose their lives because they looked too different. Not, not just different. They looked sacrilegious. They looked blasphemous. They looked like traitors. And that's why Paul was nearly stoned to death on a couple of occasions. It's why he never left synagogues peacefully without a mob or a near mob right on his heels. But he was so passionate about people finding this new life, this new freedom in Jesus. He didn't even value his own life. You should really take like 10 minutes and read through the entire book of of Galatians. It's six chapters long, and it goes into greater depth on not only what happened in this episode, episode of Acts 15, but the stakes behind it, Paul's passion behind it. Here's what I would love for us to take away from this passage, though. I believe that this little council that met and came to complete uh, agreement on this issue, they permanently hitched their wagon, and therefore ours, to a new way of living and loving. It was God's way, God's heart. Now, I sometimes call this a theological bent toward the missiological lens instead of a doctrinal lens. Okay, I know I might be speaking gibberish there, but in other words, God's heart beats with the passionate mission, not with theological correctness. Why do I say that? Well, if you go back to Jesus, he said that all the law and prophets are summed up in one command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And then with that being our ethos, our culture, our practice, he then gives a mission that flows out of it. Go and make disciples of all nations. So it just boils down to this. Love God, love others, and help anyone and everyone become a follower of Jesus. Then throughout Acts, and specifically here in chapter 15, the disciples and leaders tear down every possible barrier preventing people from getting to Jesus. The law and all its requirements are no longer a barrier. 
But at the same time, they didn't want these new Gentile believers to have this freedom in Christ that would itself be a barrier to the Jewish people coming to Jesus themselves. So that's where you get these specific prohibitions that James recommends. They all agreed, but it is in James' words. All of these things were distinct religious practices in pagan temple worship. Not every religion and not every temple, but most. From the way they sacrificed animals and consumed their blood to the temple prostitution and even orgies of fertility rites, the Jewish believers didn't want anything to prevent Gentiles from coming to Jesus. And now they were asking their non-Jewish brothers and sisters to not put up any barriers for the Jews to embrace their Messiah. It went both ways. Either way, it was all about the grace of Jesus and our faith in him and removing any barrier that would get in the way. So my question is, do we have that same kind of spirit and passion today? In joining God on mission, are we tearing down any barriers and obstacles to Jesus or do we tend to erect them? Do we have high expectations for people to get cleaned up before they make steps toward Jesus? Do we expect people to embrace the Bible before they embrace Jesus? Do we force people to conform to some of our worship practices? Do we use insider language or act all different when we pray or do something spiritual? All of those are artificial cultural barriers, and they must come down. I'll wrap up with these words from Paul to the Corinthians, written right around this time period, uh, certainly before the events of the next chapter take place. Paul wrote these words in chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles, I do not follow the Jewish law. I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. Which, parenthetically, that is the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then going on in the passage, When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. So, Father God, based on that passage and the heart that I'm seeing come out of that, that little Jerusalem council and how they were seeing you show up, you are pouring your heart and your spirit into them, your passion to reach the world at any cost. And you wanted to tear down any and every artificial barrier. So, Lord, I know that we have those. And maybe we're blind to them. Maybe we've got some blind spots to expectations 
or things that we do or even believe that are preventing others around us from seeing you or from even wanting to approach you. Lord, in your mercy and in your gentle way, would you point those out in us so that we confess them, we can recognize them, we can take responsibility for them, and we can do as Paul did. When we're with people who believe a certain way, we become as them so that we can invite them to Christ. Let us never use our freedom as a license to do whatever we want and thereby be a barrier to others, but always, always a heart to see people come to you. So, Father, speak to us now. Show us anything we need to confess, and then let us know what our next steps are to make it right or to act differently.